0: Section twenty two of the Cambridge Modern History Volume two The Reformation Recording by Piotr Natter This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Chapter six Social Revolution and Catholic Reaction in Germany by AF Pollard. Part three it is almost a commonplace with lutheran writers to justify luther's action on the ground that the peasant's revolt was revolutionary unlawful immoral while the religious movement was reforming lawful and moral but the hard and fast line which is thus drawn vanishes on a closer investigation the peasants had no constitutional means wherewith to attain their ends and there is no reason to suppose that they would have resorted to force unless force had been prepared to resist them if as luther maintained it was the christian's duty to tolerate worldly ills it was incumbent on christian princes as well as on christian peasants and if he said the peasant's revolt was a punishment divinely ordained for the princes what right had they to resist moreover the lutherans themselves were only content with constitutional means so long as they proved successful when they failed lutherans also resorted to arms against their lawful emperor nor was there anything in the peasant's demands more essentially revolutionary than the repudiation of the pope's authority and the wholesale appropriation of ecclesiastical property the distinction between the two movements has for its basis the fact that the one was successful the other was not while the peasant's revolt failed the reformation triumphed and then discarded its revolutionary guise and assumed the respectable garb of law and order luther in fact saved the reformation by cutting it adrift from the failing cause of the peasants and tying it to the chariot wheels of the triumphant princes if he had not been the apostle of revolution he had at least commanded the army in which all the revolutionary fought he had now repudiated his left wing and was forced to depend on his right the movement from fifteen twenty one to fifteen twenty five had been national and luther had been its hero From the position of national hero he now sank to be the prophet of a sect, and a sect which depended for existence upon the support of political powers. Melanchthon admitted that the decrees of the Lutheran church were merely platonic conclusions without the support of the princes, and Luther suddenly abandoned his views on the freedom of conscience and the independence of the church. In 1523 he had proclaimed the duty of obeying God before men At the end of 1524, he was invoking the secular arm against the remnant of papists at Wittenberg. It was to punish the ungodly, he said, that the sword had been placed in the hands of authority, and it was in vain that the elector Frederick reminded him of his previous teaching, that men should let only the word fight for them. Separated from the Western Church, and alienated from the bulk of the German people, Lutheran divines leaned upon territorial princes, and repaid their support with undue servility even henry the eighth extorted from his bishops no more degrading compliance than the condoning by melanchthon and others of philip of hesse's bigamy melanchthon came to regard the commands of princes as the ordinances of god while luther looked upon them as bishops of the church and has been classed by Treitschke with machiavelli as a champion of the indefeasible rights of the state erastus like most political philosophers only reduced to theory what had long been the practice of the princes this alliance of lutheran state and lutheran church was based on mutual interest some of the peasant leaders had offered the princes compensation for the loss of their feudal dues out of the revenues of the church the lutherans offered them both they favoured the retention of feudal dues and the confiscation of ecclesiastical property and the latter could only be satisfactorily effected through the intervention of the territorial principle for neither religious party would have tolerated the acquisition by the emperor of the ecclesiastical territories within the empire apart from the alleged evils inherent in the wealth of the clergy secularization of church property was recommended on the ground that many of the duties attached to it had already passed to some extent under state or municipal supervision such as the regulation of poor relief and of education and the history of the fifteenth century had shown that the defence of christendom depended solely upon the exertions of individual states and that the church could no longer as in the days of the crusades excite any independent enthusiasm against the infidel it was on the plea of the necessities of this defence that catholic as well as lutheran princes made large demands upon ecclesiastical revenues with the diminution of clerical goods went a decline in the independence of the clergy and a corresponding increase in the authority of territorial princes and it was by the prospect of reducing his bishops and priests to subjection that sovereigns like margrave casimir of brandenburg were induced to adopt the lutheran cause the lutherans had need of every recruit for the reaction which crushed the peasants threatened to involve them in a similar ruin Duke Antony of Lorraine regarded the suppression of the revolt in the light of a crusade against Luther, and many a gospel preacher was summarily executed on a charge of sedition for which there was slender ground. Catholic princes felt that they would never be secure against the recurrence of rebellion until they had extirpated the root of the evil, and the embers of social strife were scarcely stamped out when they began to discuss schemes for extinguishing heresy. In July 1525, Duke George of Saxony, who may have entertained hopes of seizing his cousin's electorate, the electors Joachim of Brandenburg and Albert of Mainz, Duke Henry of Brunswick Wolfenbüttel, and other Catholic princes met at Dessau to consider a Catholic league, and Henry of Brunswick was sent to Charles to obtain the imperial support. The danger produced a like combination of Lutherans, and in October 1525, philip of hesse proposed a defensive alliance between himself and elector john of torgau it was completed at gotha in the following march and at magdeburg it was joined by that city the brunswick lüneburg dukes otto ernst and francis duke philip of brunswick grubenhagen duke henry of mecklenburg prince wolfgang of anhalt curten and counts gebhard and albrecht of mansfeld this league was the work of philip of hesse the statesman to whom the reformation in germany largely owed its success his genuine adoption of its doctrines had little effect on his personal morality yet he risked his all in the cause and devoted to it abilities of a very high order but for his slender means and narrow domains he might have played a great part in history as it was his courage fertility of resource wide outlook and independence of formulas enabled him to exert a powerful influence on the fortunes of his creed and his country he already meditated a scheme which he afterwards carried into effect of restoring duke ulrich of and the skill with which he played on bavarian jealousy of the habsburgs more than once saved the reformers from a catholic combination he wished to include in the league the half zwinglian cities of south germany and although his far-reaching scheme for a union between zwingli and switzerland and lutheran germany was balked by luther's obstinacy and zwingli's defeat at kapel he looked as early as fifteen twenty six for help to the northern powers which eventually saved the reformation in the course of the thirty years war meanwhile a diet summoned to meet at augsburg in december fifteen twenty seven was scantily attended and proved abortive another met at speyer in the following june and its conduct induced a reformer to describe it as the boldest and freest diet that ever assembled the old complaints against rome were revived and the recent revolt was attributed to clerical abuses a committee of princes reported in favour of the marriage of priests communion in both kinds the abolition of private masses a reduction in the number of fasts the joint use of latin and german in baptismal services and in the celebration of the eucharist and the interpretation of scripture by scripture. To prevent the adoption of these resolutions, Ferdinand produced instructions from the emperor, dated the 23rd of March, 1526, in which he forbade innovations, promised to discuss the question of a general council with the Pope, and demanded the execution of the Edict of Worms. The cities, however, again declared the last to be impracticable, and called attention to the fact that whereas at the date of charles's letter he had been at peace with the pope they were now at open enmity they declined to believe that the emperor's intentions remained the same under these altered conditions and they proposed sending a deputation to spain to demand the suspension of the edict of worms and the immediate convocation of a general or at least a national council meanwhile the princes suggested that as regarded matters of faith each prince should so conduct himself as he could answer for his behaviour to god and to the emperor and this proposal was adopted was promulgated in the diet's recess and thus became the law of the empire both the emperor and the national government seemed to have abdicated their control over ecclesiastical policy in favour of the territorial princes and the separatist principle which had long dominated secular politics appeared to have legally established itself within the domain of religion. The Diet had presumed too much upon Charles's hostility to the Pope, but there were grounds for this assumption. Although his letter arrived too late to affect the Diet's decision, the Emperor had actually written on July 27th, suggesting the abolition of the penal clauses in the Edict of Worms and the submission of evangelical doctrines to the consideration of a general council. But this change of attitude was entirely due to the momentary exigencies of his foreign relations. Clement Seventh was hand in glove with the League of Cognac, formed to wrest from Charles the fruits of Pavia. The emperor, threatened with excommunication, replied by remarking that Luther might be made a man of importance, while Charles's lieutenant, Moncada, captured the castle of Saint Angelo and told the pope that God himself could not withstand the victorious imperial arms other spaniards were urging charles to abolish the temporal power of the papacy as the root of all the italian wars and he hoped to find in the lutherans a weapon against the pope a hope which was signally fulfilled when Thurnsberg led eleven thousand troops four thousand of whom served without pay to the sack of rome moreover ferdinand was in no position to coerce the lutheran princes the peasant revolts in his austrian duchies were not yet subdued and he was toying with the idea of an extensive secularisation of ecclesiastical property he had seized the bishopric of brixen meditated a partition of salzburg and told his estates at innsbruck that the common people objected altogether to the exercise of clerical jurisdiction in temporal concerns and before long considerations of the utmost importance for the future of his house and of europe further diverted his energies from the prosecution of either religious or political objects in germany for fifteen twenty six was the birth year of the austro-hungarian state which now holds in its straining bond all that remains of habsburg power the ruin which overtook the kingdom of hungary at mohach august thirteenth fifteen twenty six has been ascribed to various causes the simplest is that hungary and no other state barred the path of the Turks, and felt the full force of their onslaught at a time when the Ottoman power was in the first flush of its vigour, and was wielded by perhaps the greatest of sultans. Hungary, though divided, was at least as united as Germany or Italy. It was to some extent isolated from the rest of Europe, but it effected no such breach with Western Christendom as Bohemia had done in the Hussite Wars, and Bohemia escaped the heel of the Turk the foreign policy of hungary was ill-directed and inconsequent but if the marriage of its king with the emperor's sister and that of its princess with his brother could not protect it the weaving of diplomatic webs would not have impeded the turkish advance no hungarian wizard could have revived the crusades and hungary fell a victim not so much to faults of her own as to the misfortune of her geographical position and to the absorption of christian europe in its internecine warfare. But Hungary's necessity was the Habsburg's opportunity. For at least a century that ambitious race had dreamed of the Union of Austria, Bohemia, and Hungary under its sway. Under Albrecht II and his son Vladislav, the dream enjoyed a twenty years realization, fourteen thirty seven to fourteen fifty seven. But after the latter's death Bohemia found a national king in Podiebrad, and Hungary in Corvinus. On the extinction of these two lines, the realms were again united, but not under Austrian rule. And for more than a generation, two Polish princes of the House of Yegielwo successively sat on the Czech and Magyar thrones. The Emperor Maximilian, however, never ceased to grasp at the chance which his feeble father had missed. And before his death, two of his grandchildren were betrothed to Louis II and his sister Anna, while the Austrian succession, in default of issue to Louis was secured by solemn engagements on the part of both the kingdoms. The death of Louis at Mohacs hastened the crucial hour. Both kingdoms prided themselves on their independence and right to elect their monarchs, and in both there was national antagonism to German encroachment. In Hungary, where the Reformation had made some slight progress, the Catholic National Party was led by John Zapolya, who had earned a reputation by his cruel suppression of a hungarian peasant revolt in fifteen fourteen and had eagerly sought the hand of the princess anna his object throughout had been the throne and the marriage of anna to ferdinand enraged him to such an extent that he stood idly by while the turk triumphed over his country at mohach he would rather be king by the grace of the Soleiman than see hungary free under ferdinand the noble's hatred of german rule came to zapolia's aid and on november tenth fifteen twenty six disregarding alike frederick's claims through his wife and their previous treaty engagements they chose zapolia king at stulweissenburg and crowned him the following day had ferdinand had only one rival to fear in bohemia the result might have been similar but a multitude of candidates divided the opposition sigismund of poland joachim of brandenburg albrecht of prussia three saxon princes and two bavarian dukes all thought of entering the lists but ferdinand's most serious competitors were his wittelsbach rivals who had long intrigued for the bohemian throne but if the czechs were to elect a german king a wittelsbach possessed no advantages over habsburg and ferdinand carried the day at prague on october the twenty third fifteen twenty six the theory that he owed his success to a catholicism which was moderate compared with that of the bavarian dukes ignores the catholic reaction which had followed the hussite movement and the articles submitted to ferdinand by his future subjects expressly demanded the prohibition of clerical marriages the maintenance of fasts and the veneration of saints of course like his predecessors he had to sign the compactata extorted by the bohemians from the council of basle and still unconfirmed by the pope but this was no great concession to heresy and ferdinand showed much firmness in refusing stipulations which would have weakened his royal authority in spite of the hopes which his adversaries built on this attitude he was crowned with acclamation at prague on february twenty fourth fifteen twenty seven the anniversary of pavia and of charles v's birth he then turned his attention to hungary his widowed sister's exertions had resulted in an assemblage of nobles which elected Ferdinand king at Pressburg on December seventeenth, fifteen 1526, and the efforts of Francis I and the Pope of England and Venice to strengthen Zapolya's party proved vain. During the following summer Ferdinand was recognized as king by another diet at Buda, defeated Zapolya at Tokaj, and on November third was crowned at the scene of his rival's election in the previous year this rapid success led him to indulge in dreams which later habsburg succeeded in fulfilling besides the prospect of election as king of the romans he hoped to secure the duchy of milan and to regain for hungary its lost provinces of bosnia ferdinand might almost be thought to have foreseen the future importance of the events of fifteen twenty six to twenty seven and the part which his conglomerate kingdom was to play in the history of europe these diversions of ferdinand and the absorption of charles v in his wars in italy and with england and france afforded the lutherans an opportunity of turning the recess of Speyer to an account which the habsburgs and the catholic princes had certainly never contemplated In their anxiety to discover a constitutional and legal plea which should remove from the reformation the reproach of being a revolution, Lutheran historians have attempted to differentiate this recess from other laws of the empire, and to regard it rather as a treaty between two independent powers, which neither could break without the other's consent, than as a law which might be repealed by a simple majority of the estates it was represented as a fundamental part of the constitution beyond the reach of ordinary constitutional weapons and the neglect of the emperor and of the catholic majority to adopt this view is urged as a legal justification of that final resort to arms on the unsuccessful issue of which the existence of protestantism within the empire was really based it is safe to affirm that no such idea had occurred to the majority of the diet which passed the recess the emperor and the catholic princes had admitted the inexpediency and impracticability of reducing germany at that juncture to religious conformity but they had by no means forsworn an attempt in the future when circumstances might prove more propitious low as the central authority had fallen before the onslaughts of territorial separatists it was not yet prepared to admit that the question of the nation's religion had forever escaped its control but for the moment it was compelled to look on while individual princes organized churches at will and the majority had to content themselves with replying to lutheran expulsion of catholic doctrine by enforcing it still more rigorously in their several spheres of influence the right to make ecclesiastical ordinances which the empire had exercised at worms in fifteen twenty one and at nuremberg in fifteen twenty three and fifteen twenty four but had temporarily abandoned at was not restored to the church but passed to the territorial princes in whose hostility to clerical privileges and property luther found his most effective support hence the democratic reform of church government which had been elaborated by francois Lambert and adopted by a synod summoned to homburg by philip of hesse in october fifty six failed to take root in germany it was based on the theory that every christian participates in the priesthood that the church consists only of the faithful and that each religious community should have complete independence and full powers of ecclesiastical discipline it was on similar lines that the free churches were subsequently developed in scotland england france and america but such ideas were alien to the absolute monarchic principle with which luther had cast in his lot and the german reformers like the anglican preferred a church in which the sovereign and not the congregation was the summus episcopus in his hands were vested the powers of punishment for religious opinion and in germany as in england religious persecutions were organised by the state it was perhaps as well that the state and not the lutheran church exercised coercive functions for the rigour applied by lutheran princes to dissident catholics fell short of luther's terrible imprecations and of the cruelties inflicted on heretics in orthodox territories the breach between the lutheran church and the church of rome was with regard to both ritual and doctrine slight compared with that effected by zwingli or calvin latin christianity was the groundwork of the lutheran church and its divines sought only to repair the old foundation and not to lay down a new Luther would tolerate no figurative interpretation of the words of institution of the Eucharist and he stoutly maintained the doctrine of a real presence in his own sense with the exception of the abominable canon which implied a sacrifice the catholic mass was retained in the lutheran service and on this question every attempt at union with the reformed churches broke down the changes introduced during the ecclesiastical visitations of lutheran germany in fifteen twenty six to twenty seven were at least as much concessions to secular dislike of clerical privilege as to the religious antipathy to catholic doctrine the abolition of episcopal jurisdiction increased the independence of parish priests but it enhanced even more the princely and authority the confiscation of monastic property enriched parish churches and schools and in hesse facilitated the foundation of the university of marburg but it also swelled the state exchequer and the marriage of priests tended to destroy their privileges as a caste and merge them in the mass of their fellow-citizens. It was not these questions of ecclesiastical government or ritual which evoked enthusiasm for the Lutheran cause. Its strength lay in its appeal to the conscience, in its emancipation of the individual from the restrictions of an ancient but somewhat oppressive system, in its declaration that the means of salvation were open to all, and that neither priest nor pope could take them away, that individual faith was sufficient, and the whole apparatus of clerical mediation cumbrous and nugatory. The absolute, immediate dependence on God, on which Luther insisted so strongly, excluded dependence on man, and the individualistic egotism and quickening conscience of the age were alike exalted by the sense of a new-born spiritual liberty to this moral elation luther's hymns contributed as much as his translation of the new testament and his musical ear made them national songs the first collection was published in fifteen twenty four and luther's ein feste Burg ist unser Gott, written in fifteen twenty seven has been described by heine as the Marseillaise of the reformation it was equally popular as a song of triumph in the hour of victory and as a solace in persecution luther was still at work on his translation of the bible and his third great literary contribution to the edification of the lutheran church was his catechism which appeared in a longer and a shorter form in fifteen twenty nine and in the latter became the norm for german churches the way for it had been prepared by two of luther's disciples johann agricola and justus jonas and other colleagues in the organization of the lutheran church were amsdorff luther's elisha melanchthon Whose theological learning, intellectual acuteness, and forbearance towards the Catholics were marred by a lack of moral strength and Bogenhagen, the practical genius of the last-named reformer was responsible for the evangelization of the greater part of North Germany, which, with the exception of the territories of the Elector of Brandenburg, of Duke George of Saxony, and of Duke Henry of Brunswick-Wolfenbüttel, had by 1529 broken away from the Catholic Church but the respite afforded by the Diet of Speyer, invaluable though it proved, was not of long duration, and the Lutheran princes were soon threatened with attacks from their fellow princes and from the Emperor himself. A meeting between Electoral Joachim of Brandenburg, Duke George of Saxony, and the Archduke Ferdinand, now King of Hungary and Bohemia, at Breslau in May 1527 gave rise to rumours of a Catholic conspiracy, and these suspicions, to which the Landgrave's hasty temperament led him to attach too ready a credence, were turned to account by one Otto von Puck, who had acted as vice-chancellor of Duke George of Saxony. Puck forged a document purporting to be an authentic copy of an offensive league between Ferdinand, the electors of Mainz and Brandenburg, Duke George of Saxony, the Dukes of Bavaria, and the bishops of Salzburg, Würzburg, and Bamberg, the object of which was first to drive Zapolya from Hungary, and then to make war on the Elector of Saxony, unless he surrendered Luther. For this information, the Landgrave paid Pack 4,000 crowns, and dispatched him to Hungary to warn Zapolya, and to concert measures of defence. Another envoy was sent to Francis I, and at Weimar, in March 1528, Philip concluded a treaty with the Elector of Saxony in which they agreed to anticipate the attack the landgrave at once began to mobilize his forces but luther persuaded the elector to halt all the parties concerned denied the alleged conspiracy and eventually philip himself admitted that he had been deceived illogically however he demanded that the bishops should pay the cost of his mobilization and as they had no force wherewith to resist they were compelled to find a hundred thousand crowns between them the violence of this proceeding naturally embittered the catholics and philip was charged with having concocted the whole plot and instigated Pack's forgeries these accusations have been satisfactorily disproved but the Landgrave's conduct must be held partially responsible for the increased persecution of lutherans which followed in fifteen twenty eight and for the hostile attitude of the diet of speyer in fifteen twenty nine the catholic states began to organize visitations for the extirpation of heresy in austria printers and vendors of heretical books were condemned to be drowned as poisoners of the minds of the people in bavaria in fifteen twenty eight thirty-eight persons were burned or drowned and the victims included men of distinction such as leonard keso heuglin adolf Clarenbach, and peter flisteden while the historian aventinus suffered prolonged imprisonment in brandenburg the most illustrious victim was the elector's wife the danish princess elizabeth who only escaped death or lifelong incarceration by flight to her cousin the elector of saxony meanwhile the emperor's attitude grew ever more menacing for a fresh revolution had reversed the imperial policy the idea of playing off luther against the pope had probably never been serious and the protest in spain against charles's treatment of clement would alone have convinced him of the dangers of such an adventure between fifteen twenty seven and fifteen twenty nine he gradually reached the conclusion that a pope was indispensable immediately after the sack of rome one of his agents had warned him of the danger lest england and france should establish patriarchates of their own and a pope of the universal church under the control of charles as master of italy was too useful an instrument to be lightly abandoned if for no other reason than that an insular pope in england would grant the divorce of henry the eighth from catherine of aragon the emperor also wanted catholic help to restore his brother-in-law charles the second of denmark deposed by his lutheran subjects he desired papal recognition for ferdinand's new kingdoms and his own imperial authority in germany could not have survived the secularization of the ecclesiastical electorates empire and papacy said zwingli both emanated from rome neither could stand if the other fell at the same time the issue of the war in italy in fifteen twenty eight to twenty nine convinced clement that he could not stand without charles and paved the way for the mutual understanding which was sealed by the treaty of barcelona june twenty ninth fifteen twenty nine it was almost a family compact the pope's nephew was to marry the emperor's illegitimate daughter the medici tyranny was to be re-established in florence the divorce of catherine to be refused the papal countenance to be withdrawn from zapolia and emperor and pope were to unite against turks and heretics the treaty of cambrai august third soon afterwards released charles from his war with france and left him free for a while to turn his attention to germany the growing intimacy between the emperor and pope had already smoothed the path of reaction and reinforced the antagonism of the catholic majority to the lutheran princes in fifteen twenty eight charles sent the provost of waldkirch to germany to strengthen the catholic cause duke henry of mecklenburg returned to the catholic fold the wavering elector palatine forbade his subjects to attend the preaching of lutherans and at the diet of speyer which met on february twenty first fifteen twenty nine the evangelicals found themselves a divided and hopeless minority opposed to a determined and solid majority of catholics only three of their number were chosen to sit on the committee appointed to discuss the religious question charles had sent instructions denouncing the recess of fifteen twenty six and practically dictating the terms of a new one the catholics were not prepared to admit this reduction of the diet to the status of a machine for registering imperial rescripts but their modifications were intended rather to show their independence than to alter the purport of charles's proposals and their resolutions amounted to this there was to be a complete toleration for catholics in lutheran states but no toleration for lutherans in catholic states and no toleration anywhere for Zwinglians and anabaptists the lutherans were to make no further innovations in their own dominions and clerical jurisdictions and property were to be inviolate the differentiation between lutherans and zwinglians was a skilful attempt to drive a wedge between the two sections of the anti-catholic party an attempt which melanchthon's pusillanimity nearly brought to a successful issue the zwinglian party included the principal towns of south germany but melanchthon was ready to abandon them as the price of peace for the lutheran church of hesse however had none of the theological narrowness which characterized luther and melanchthon and in a less degree even zwingli he was not so blind as the divines to the political necessities of the situation and he managed to avert a breach for the time it was due to him that strasburg and ulm Nuremberg and memingen and other towns added their weight to the protest against the decree of the diet jacob sturm of strasburg and tetzel of Nuremberg were indeed the most zealous champions of the recess of fifteen twenty six during the debates of the diet but their arguments and the mediation of the moderate catholics remained without effect upon the majority the complaint of the lutherans that the proposed recess would tie their hands and open the door to catholic reaction naturally made no impression for such was precisely its object the catholics saw that their opportunity had come and they were determined to take at its flood the tide of reaction. The plea that the unanimous decision of 1526 could not be repealed by one party, though plausible enough as logic, and in harmony with the particularism of the time, rested upon the unconditional assumption that the parties were independent of the empire's authority, and it was not reasonable to expect any diet to countenance so suicidal a theory. A revolution is necessarily weak in its legal aspect, and must depend on its moral strength and to revolution the lutheran princes in spite of themselves were now brought they were driven back onto ground on which any revolution may be based and a secret understanding to withstand every attack made on them on account of the god's word whether it proceeded from the swabian league or the national government was adopted by electoral saxony hesse strasburg ulm and nuremberg We fear the emperor's ban, wrote one of the party, but we fear still more God's curse. And God, they proclaimed, must be obeyed before men. This was an appeal to God and to conscience, which transcended legal considerations. It was the very essence of the Reformation, though it was often denied by reformers themselves. And it explains the fact that from the protest, in which the Lutherans embodied this principle, is derived the name which for want of a better term, is loosely applied to all the churches which renounced the obedience of Rome. A formal protest against the impending recess of the Diet had been discussed at Nuremberg in March and adopted at Speyer in April, when, on the 19th, Ferdinand and the other imperial commissioners refused all concessions and confirmed the acts of the Diet, the protest was publicly read. The Protestants affirmed that the Diet's decree was not binding on them because they were not consenting parties. They proclaimed their intention to abide by the recess of 1526, and so to fulfil their religious duties, as they could answer for it to God and the emperor. They demanded that their protest should be incorporated in the recess, and on Ferdinand's refusal they published a few days later an appeal from the Diet to the emperor, to the next general council of Christendom, and to a congress of the German nation the princes who signed the protest were the elector john of saxony margrave george of brandenburg dukes ernest and francis of brunswick luneburg landgrave philip of hesse and prince wolfgang of anhalt and the fourteen cities which adhered to it were strasburg ulm nürnberg constance lindau memmingen kempten nördlingen Heilbronn, reutlingen isny st gallen Wiesenberg, and Winsheim of such slender dimensions was the original protestant church small as it was it was only held together by the negative character of its protest dissensions between its two sections increased the conflict of creeds and parties which rent the whole of germany for the following twenty-five years End of section 22.